You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. So today I'm speaking on what I've titled the disciple ministry and prayer. The disciple, the disciples ministry and that ministry is the ministry of prayer. I'll talk about other ministries next week so don't worry. But this today I'm talking about the disciple ministry and prayer. Now, the first statement you need to understand is that the local church is a school. The local church is a school. It is a school for ministry. It is a school for ministry. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 19. Now, this is where the mandate of the believer is seen or revealed. This is where Jesus gave the believers, the mandate to preach the gospel. Okay, so this is where we take our mandate. And so we will be able to know specifically what the disciple is to do right from this text and who the disciple is and we will go into the ministry of the disciple And one of them is prayer. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, the word, go therefore and make disciples disciples of all the nations so this is where we are told to go and make disciples of all nations the word disciple is the word mathetes m-a-t-h-e-t-e-s mathetes it refers generally to any student pupil apprentice adherent or a follower Okay, and so if you are a believer, you are meant to be a student of Christ. So we are to go and replicate students of Christ. Students who will be like Christ. So, a follower is like a student or an apprentice. So, they imitate and become like their master. So, you see, the essence 
of ministry, therefore, is that God himself gave the ministry gifts to train believers for ministry. For ministry, so they will be like Christ. So you are a student. From today, when you are going to church, <laughs> you must go with the attitude. And in the similitude of a student. A student of Christ. A student of Christ. In this text, we can now understand Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, why did he give these gifts of men to the church? Twelve. For the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting is the word maturing. For the maturing of the saints. For what? For the work of the ministry. So, the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors who are teachers are to train you and I into maturity for the work of ministry. For the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. So, when you become a believer, you are in apprenticeship. And you are schooled with the set of ideals of Christ. And so you are trained both in class. Class is school. And also you go to the field to do your practicals. <laughs> so you see, you come to the local church and you do the work of ministry, listen very carefully, you learn, sorry, the work of ministry and you do the praxis of it both in the church and on the field. 
That's when you go out of the church. Into your home. Into your neighborhood or community. Into the market. Into your business place. Into your office. Wherever you go. You go as the trained apprentice. Who is maturing to be like Christ. Now, with the advent of Bible schools, it appears many local churches made the work of ministry exclusive to the called to ministry. In other words, it's like the work of ministry is done rather by the prophets, the evangelists, the apostles, and the pastors who are teachers. No. We are to train the disciples to become. And, and so, there are a lot of the work that pastors give to special people that is meant for the ordinary disciple to do. The work of ministry is not meant for special people. It is meant for the people who are ordinary disciples and believers and all of us must do the work of ministry and in that we are trained. So you see, as a matter of fact, Bible schools were not meant to be. If the church was doing its work of training the way it must do it. That's why for most Bible schools, you realize that no matter how much they teach you, they don't ordain you into ministry. It is still the local church that ordains believers into the pastorate. Okay? Which tells you that it is the local church that has the authority to bring people into the pastorate. Into the offices. So you see, when somebody has been trained well and they are matured for the work of ministry and they are building up the body of Christ, then they are at a certain level called into ministry, either by the prophetic, in other words, the Holy Spirit speaks and makes it known and everybody becomes actually a witness to the work of that person because they are evidently trained. And everybody can see their good work in the ministry. And therefore now the pastor sees their gift which has been schooled and skilled by training or apprenticeship. And now they can now be called into the office of either an apostle, 
prophet, evangelist, pastor who is a teacher. We'll get into that another day. So, as you actually do the work of ministry, you are overseeing a department, maybe cell meetings, you are very consistent in how you minister to the saints. All of these things are training. You are called as an ordinary believer and you are leading prayer. And you are doing it so well. You pray yourself in your prayer, your, your own prayer closet. And you have times with God. Okay, and you are growing in the work of ministry. Then you are maturing. Okay, and so it has a lot to do. Look at 2 Timothy um, um, 3.15. It actually speaks clearly to this. 2 Timothy 3.15. What Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, his son. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine. Okay. Profitable for doctrine. So the scripture, which is God's breath, God's power, God's inspiration, teaches us the way of life. How to live the Christian life, doctrine. And it says it has confirmation for reproof. Confirmation, it confirms to us as a witness in our spirit, the way of life of the believer. Look at the next. For correction. For correction. So you can never be a disciple and you will not be corrected. And I've realized that it is very difficult for most people to take correction because they actually don't understand the concept of discipleship. The concept of discipleship comes with correction. There is no way somebody goes into apprenticeship or somebody is a student and they are not corrected. Because the word actually tells you that you are actually equipped and you are perfected for the perfection, the perfecting, sorry, of the saints. So if you are being perfected, definitely you will be corrected. In other words, you are like a baby. You are like an infant. And when you are growing, you are not skilled. You will make mistakes. And therefore, your tutor or the one who is discipling you will have to train you, would have to groom you. So he's like the, he's like the groomsman, and he has to groom you by, by training you, by correcting you of certain things that you're doing, and you are not doing them according to the doctrine. Doctrine, sorry. And it's confirmation. So you will be rebuked. You will be disciplined. It is not against the rules of the engagement of the calling of the apostle, of the prophets, 
of the evangelist, of the pastor who is a teacher. No. It is part of the rules of engagement so that you are trained well to be like Christ. Look at the next. All scripture is giving by inspiration of God and is profitable, beneficial for doctrine, reproof, for correction. Watch this. For instruction in righteousness. So you would have to have the heart of receiving instructions. So you see, you've done what you want to do for a very long time. You, you've lived your life the way you want to live it for a very long time. But you see, when you receive the precise, accurate knowledge, you receive instruction from the pastorate as they guide and guard you into maturity. So you see, if you don't have the heart of humility, you can't allow yourself to be discipled well. Every good disciple, look at the apostles. The reason why the apostles came out well and there was one who could not survive was because he had the heart of rebellion. But the ones who had the heart of humility they were able to go through and they stuck with the doctrine for which Christ gave them through the rebukes, O ye men of little faith, why do you worry? Satan, he called Peter, get thee behind me. All of these were rebukes. But the, the, the master also showered them with love. So they actually knew that he had their interest at heart. And they are being schooled to become like the master. And they endeared themselves to training. To correction. And to instruction. You can't just do what you like. No. You're a student. Students take instructions. Students don't argue with their lecturer, with their teacher. No. Apprentices don't argue with their master. They listen to instructions and they do same. As a matter of fact, they do exactly what they are told to do. They do it at the time they are told to do it. They do it how they have been told to do it. They do it where they have been told to do it. Look at an example in Ephesus. Acts chapter 20. Verse 17 to 18. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner... I always lived among you. 
So Paul is speaking to this category of people in Ephesus. And he actually exemplified for them a way of life. And so he was actually telling them that look at the way I lived among you. Now, if we're going to read Acts 19, 7 and 9, it will give us an idea of who he was talking about. What was the relationship between Apostle Paul and these people? So we just read Acts 20, 17 to 18. Let's look at Acts 19, 7 to 9, or 7 and 9 rather. In other words, this account comes before Paul spoke what he said in Acts 20, 17 to 18. I just want you to be clear. So let's go to Acts 19, 7 and 9. Now the men were about 12 in all. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them. And withdrew his disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So in Ephesus, Paul was raising disciples. And there were some who did not believe. And because they did not believe, he actually chose 12 men out of them. And all of the 12 believed. And Paul started school. Schooling them. So Paul started discipling them. And those were the people he was referring to. And he was telling them because they have now become the elders of the church. And so he said that they should not forget from the first day he came to Asia and what manner of life he lived amongst them. So he's telling his disciples not to forget about how their master showed them by his way of life and also by what he taught them. Did you see that there were still some that were hardened? So it is a choice. Discipleship is a choice. It is. Yeah, it is. You allow yourself or you close up. It all depends on you. But if you know exactly the reason for which the Lord called you as a believer, you understand the concept of discipleship. Listen to me very carefully. The kinds of things most of you do for your bosses and the extent to which you can go and nothing bothers you just because the motivation is money. But the moment you are scrutinized a bit, it takes everything out of you and you rather feel like you are being knobbed. No. You must understand that you go through the process well and you grow to become a wonderful believer just like Christ to the glory of his name. And you have eternal rewards awaiting for you. Listen, this comes with eternal rewards. You have no idea. If you see them winning Champions League 
and you can see the trophy and the way they are rejoicing and all the wonderful things that come with it. And, and everybody says, wow, you see the X factor and you see the people jumping and this is a chance for life. And, and you see that and you are so happy just because they are winning earthly things. I want you to understand that the God that gave human beings the wisdom to do some of these things has better satisfying rewards. For you eternally. Don't underrate and underestimate the value of discipleship. Okay. So you see, when people allow themselves to grow and have the understanding. That it is the church that disciples them through discipline and training. There are certain areas that they will not leave, including the pastors, for special departments. Because we have created special departments that actually do not exist in the doctrine. Certainly, we have created a class of people who should do this. And one of the areas that we have to address is prayer. Everyone is called to pray. There is no scriptural basis for creating a prayer department. Prayer meetings are for all members of the local church. And if you are a believer, you have been called to pray. Mark 11 verse 17, Jesus taught and he taught saying to them, Is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. So Jesus categorically said it. That his house, which represents you, the believer, you carry God. So first of all, you must be a temple of prayer. And then when the local church meets, the local church too must be a temple or a house of what? Prayer. So when we come, we all pray. Nobody has been given a special calling for prayer. It has no scriptural basis. It is so clear. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 to 15. You see, so, you see, watch this. What the apostles did as good disciples, good students, good apprentices, is that whatever Jesus taught them, they followed in exactitude. Acts 1, 14 to 15. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. All, all continued with one accord. All, not some, all with one accord. In other words, they were with one heart, willingly, together. And they includes 
all the women married the mother of Jesus with his brothers. 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of them, and the, 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 the midst of the disciples, sorry. And the number of names was about a hundred and twenty. So they all means that all of them who were a hundred and twenty were praying. Including the mother of Jesus. Including his brothers. They were all praying. This was before the Pentecost. The whole church prayed together. No special prayers. No special squad. No people like these are the prayer warriors. No. Acts 2, 41 to 42. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So on the day of Pentecost, that's what he's talking about. When Peter preached, these were the souls that were won. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So you see, all the church members who were new, the new converts, the 3,000 of them joined prayer meetings immediately. Acts chapter 4, 23. This was a time that Peter and John were threatened. And when they were threatened, check who they called on. Check who they called on. Acts 4.23 And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they went to the local church. And they reported. Look at the 24. Acts 4.24 And then 31 and 32. So when they heard that, they raised their voice. In other words, when they heard the report, they raised their voice, they raised prayer to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, look at the 31, 32. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaking and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. Did you realize that in everything they were talking about all, 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 not some. They were praying together. So they did not call on prayer warriors. They did not call on malicious, spiritual militia men. We give all kinds of names. They called on the whole church. 
The multitude, the whole church prayed. No special prayer team. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 9 to 12. The first three days of Saul as a new convert, he used the first three days in praying. And for me, this is one of the crucial things I have learned. That the moment somebody is saved, introduce them to long hours of prayer. And fasting. Because a lot will be going on in their mind. The enemy will be battling them. That's why the people you win are so enthusiastic. And then within the one week. Shh. Because there's a lot that is going on. And friends will want to just bring them back again. Look at Paul. And look at his example. Acts chapter 9. 9 to 12. Right after his conversion, when he encountered Jesus, look at what happened. And he was three days without sight. And neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple. So he didn't eat, he did not drink. He was fasting. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision... Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Watch this. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So, the same moment the young man was saved, you heard it last week that he was a young man. The same moment. He was saved. He started praying. For three days he was fasting and praying. And in the prayer, God showed him a vision. A new convert. And so, listen, when you go to win people, the first, right from that moment, take them into prayer. You yourself, pray with them. Teach them how to pray. Let them speak in tongues. Pray with them. Spend time in prayer. And in fasting. This speaks a lot. And can you believe that. God by his prayer. Gave Ananias a responsibility. Oh my word. Young man who was just three days old in Christ was already seeing visions. It tells you that God is no respecter of persons. Acts chapter 12, 5 and 12. This was when Peter was kept 
and arrested in prison. Look at what happened. Acts chapter 12, 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. No special prayer team. By the church. 12. Acts 12, 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Look at what happened. Where many were gathered together praying. The church. So you see, all the apostolic instructions were focused on a whole lot on congregational praying. There was nothing like a prayer department. It is not for special people. It is for all believers. As a matter of fact, we are going to see Apostle Paul calling for all the churches to pray for him. Because that is the responsibility of the church, to pray. And so if the church prays, then the church should be praying for their pastor. He didn't say that these few people should pray for me. The prayer warriors should pray for me. No, he was calling on the church for prayer. Romans 15, 30. Now I beg you. He was begging for prayer. I beg you, brethren, the church, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching therefore with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 19. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So the church should be praying for all saints and the church should be praying for their pastors. Philippians 1.19 So Philippian church, for I know that this shall tend to my salvation, my deliverance, through your prayer, and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So in prayer, there's a supply of the spirit. Okay? So when people pray, they make power available. So he's actually calling the Philippian church that I need your prayer. That the Lord would deliver me from this kind of affliction. And he says, when you pray, there's a supply. Power is made available. And the supply is given by the Holy Spirit. Through your prayer. So asking everybody to pray for him. He came to the Colossian church. Colossians 4, 2 and 3. Continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us. So he was admonishing the church to continue earnestly in prayer. And with thanksgiving. And then he would ask for prayer for himself. That God will open to us a door for the word to speak. 
the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to. So same here. He was asking the whole church to have the bedding of prayer. He went to the Thessalonian church, 2 Thessalonians 3.1. He said the same thing. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Once again, he was asking the church to pray for them. That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. We find no special ministry of prayer. No special ministry of prayer. Sometimes you hear people saying that uh, prayer is one of the ministry of helps. You don't understand the word helps. And that one is given to special brethren. Helps has nothing to do with prayer. It is actually the office or the duties of deacons. People who attend to natural duties in the local church. And we see that by the law of first mention in Acts chapter 6, verse 3 to 4. That was the first time there was a need for natural things to be taken care of in the church. Because they were sharing food and some were complaining that they didn't have some of the food. And so this is what the disciples decided. And they decided that even after prayer. Acts 6, 3 to 4. Therefore, brethren, seek out from amongst you seven men of good reputation. Watch even the people who have to take care of food. Watch. Number one, good reputation. Number two, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. How can somebody be full of the Holy Ghost if he's not a prayer person? Full of the Holy Ghost. Every, every believer, listen very carefully, has the Holy Ghost in full. But being filled with the Holy Ghost, what it actually means is that they keep staring in prayer for a release. And so they are sensitive. That's why he says, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. In other words, they are sensitive to the wisdom of God. How can you be sensitive to the wisdom but without prayer? It's not possible. Whom we may appoint over this business, but we will all give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So if you talk about ministry of helps, these were called to go and distribute food. And it was separated from prayer. So deacons are those who oversee physical things used in ministry like food, money, etc. Prayer is not helps. Prayer is not helps. Amazing. That out of the lot, only seven were chosen to look and oversee natural things. And then he says, the focus of the church is not on natural things. The focus of the church is the ministry of the word and prayer. So they remembered what Jesus did and what Jesus told them. My house shall be called the house of prayer. And so that's what they decided to focus on because of the master's command. These are good students. 
Colossians 4.12. People were commended for being good examples in prayer. Epaphras. Colossians 4.12. Who is one of you? A born servant of Christ. Greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers. That you may stand perfect and complete. In other words, you may stand mature and complete in all the will of God. So Epaphras was commended by Paul to the Colossian church. How did Paul know? Because he attends prayer meetings faithfully. So Paul knows the guy prays. He was there consistently. So you see, he's attesting to his faithfulness in prayer. And I'm sure Paul may have visited him a couple of times. And I'm sure he will go there see him praying. First Timothy 5.5 5. This is very interesting. And it tells you the extent to which prayer is so key for every believer. Because he's speaking about widows. Exemplifying the character of a good disciple in prayer. Now she, who is really a widow and left alone, Trust in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. If you go to the next verse, it speaks to the widow who is just having fun. He says, for that one, leave her alone. And when it comes to the ministry of helps, she doesn't even deserve it. Give it to the one who continually spends time in prayer and supplication. He's the one that trusts in God. So that's an exemplary widow. If we must have departments in our churches, prayer is not a part of it. It makes the whole church lazy in prayer. Everybody is waiting for Asimasi to pray for them. They are the ones who pray. No, it's a lie. The believer lives a life of prayer. For my house shall be called a house of prayer. We can have prayer groups. Yes, in our departments. The department must have prayer meetings. But it's not like special people. No. We can also as a church... Divide ourselves into groups. So what we do is that at every point in time, there are a group of the church who are praying. And when they are done, another group comes in. All right. So in the end, the whole church is praying. And everybody is a part of it. As a matter of fact, it is a requirement for leadership. Acts 6.4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word.
Jesus said it. Jesus said it. Luke 18, 1. <laughs> Luke 18, 1. And he spoke a parable unto them to this end. What is the end? That men, the man here is not the male man, that human beings or in context believers ought always to pray and not to faint. Every believer must pray and not faint. So prayer is a constant, not a variable. Jesus made his folks pray. He made his disciples pray. Matthew 26, 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleepy and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? So one hour should be the minimum for a believer. It should be the minimum. There's no way we can treat prayer with kid gloves. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. So if we treat prayer with kid gloves, we are actually inviting so many things to overcome us. We ourselves are giving ourselves away. If you can't pray, you shouldn't sing in the church. We don't need your voice as much as the power of God in demonstration. Because without prayer, you are like a broken cistern that cannot hold water. Keep your talents till you can pray. <laughs> I said one thing. I said, keep your talents until you can pray. How can you minister to people you are too busy to pray for? How? How can you minister to people you are too busy to pray for? Are you ministering to their flesh? Or you are ministering to their spirit. Let the prayer meetings be filled again. I charge you by the mercies of God. Wake up from your slumber. Oh believer, oh disciple. For you have been called to prayer. It's your particular Assignment, your particular weapon, your particular treasure, your particular valuable.
Did you realize that in their prayer meetings, did you realize all the topics was about spiritual things? Did you see anybody praying for a marriage? Did you see anybody praying for a job? Did you see anybody? Did you see anything like that there? Every time Apostle Paul was asking for prayer, what did he ask for? Anytime the people were praying, Epaphras prayer, what did he pray? That the people would be complete in the will of God. Mature and stand firm in the will of God. We don't pray and then focus on breaking family cases. Which one of them? Prayer meetings are for ministry, for souls, for the veterans of the gospel. It is the duty of every church member. In this, we have eternal rewards. E.W. Kenyon once said, a prayerless church is a powerless church. I agree. Say, in the name of Jesus, I give myself to the ministry of prayer off and for all saints. I present myself at church prayer meetings. I call you blessed. Have a wonderful, wonderful day today. And I know that as you allow yourself, the workings of the Holy Spirit energized in you will break forth explosively in the power of his might. And you shall work the works of God as you live the lifestyle of prayer, aligning your will with the will of God in the name of Jesus. He loves you and loves you so much, and so do I. Have a wonderful day today. Bye-bye. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. <laughs>